Thanks for joining us again on the Coruscant Nights podcast. We're really happy to have you back and we're thankful that you guys are listening to it. We hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we enjoy putting it out. We've got a really exciting episode today and also for the next eight weeks with The Mandalorian being released weekly. We've got heaps to talk about with the new season. Just a reminder, we do have social medias on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, all under Coruscant Nights. And we do have Patreon as well. Thanks to Ben and Nikita for their continued support as we grow the channel. If you want to go check it out, check out the link in our Instagram bio or just go into Patreon and search Coruscant Nights. Just a quick note, we are without one of our members today. Yeah, unfortunately, Jack can't make it today for this week's episode due to um, his own circumstances. So, But that's all right. He's given us some, some of his notes that we're going to discuss for the episode. And speaking of, so... Shall we begin? Yeah. So, Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1, titled The Apostate, is the 17th chapter in the Mandalorian journey, has a runtime of 37 minutes, is directed by Rick Famuyiwa, and written by John Favreau. And Mark, right off the bat, before we get into any specifics, what were your general thoughts on the episode? Positive. I thought it was a good episode. There wasn't a whole lot there, mainly just a bit of a setup. Still enjoyable, but we got to see where it's going to go in the future. I have to agree with you, Mark. I think that it was definitely a bit of a different sort of episode uh, in terms of how Mandalorian episode premieres kind of like start off. But overall, I thought it was a really good episode. There's not a lot to fault. It does pretty much everything right, and we'll get into the specifics a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to run through the episode and the events that happen in the episode and make little notes along the way because that's the best way to kind of cover the whole story, get our thoughts on everything, and hopefully you can agree with some of them. And if you don't, then that's completely fine because that's what Star Wars discussion is all about. So, the first thing that we actually we hear, and I thought this was quite a bit of a surprise, is we don't hear the traditional kind of sci-fi music over the Star Wars logo yeah. and the... The helmets. It was, cl- it was like yeah, the, hammer the and armor. Yeah, the armor. Doing some work. Yeah, and that was really unique. It was kind of interesting that we we're starting on her, given that it's the Mandalorian's journey in, like, specifically in this season, yeah. from what well, what we've been led to believe anyway. So I thought that was quite interesting to to hear that. It was it very was, different. It was, I was going to say it was certainly different. It's not exactly what you were expecting. Yeah, but that's that's good. It's good to shake it up every once in a while. I mean, we get the Bad Batch doing the same thing every week so it's kind of not it wouldn't have been oversaturation but it would have been i don't know pretty stock standard from what we've gotten already and carrying on from the noises we hear we get straight into the armor she is constructing a new mandalorian helmet for a new mandalorian little child and i've got to be honest with you mark when i was first watching it i thought oh she's building a new crib for Grogu because it just had that exact shape. It, it did look like it, didn't it? That circular sort of shape. And then as the episode kind of progressed, I'm like, oh no, he's already got one. He doesn't need a new one. The other thing is, I don't know if it's just me, but when I was first watching it, I thought we were watching a flashback. Oh yeah, definitely. It wasn't until Mando came in on his ship that we realised, hey, this isn't a flashback. And even like seeing Puz Vizsla and the armourer, I mean, it all kind of hints that it was in the present day. But you don't really think about it when you're watching the episode. You kind yeah. of think, oh, that's Din. The little child yeah, is Din. Yeah, I thought that was him as well. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting and it was good that it, it is present day because we don't really need any more flashbacks. We've 
got enough of we got enough of him in season one and even yeah. a little bit in season two. So I think now we're definitely more focusing on Mandalorian culture in the present and going forward. Yeah, exactly. And they're in this Mandalorian ceremony getting the little kid ready for, you know, joining the cult. And then, as Jack described, a big crocodile comes out <laughs> of the water and starts attacking them. He actually eats one of the Mandalorian yeah, people, which is that's crazy. Yeah, I was surprised when that happened. But that that crocodile, which we'll, well, I'm going to keep calling it the crocodile, yeah. it did some crazy stuff. It felt like really impossible to beat, obviously, until the Mandalorian showed yeah, up. Yeah, it was, you know, pretty tough skin by the looks of it. The it was doing, weren't doing anything. It was doing the, barrel rolls. The ropes, the yeah. ropes of the Mandalorians was, weren't doing anything. It was throwing the Mandalorian people all over the place. It was causing people to end up in the water. It was yeah, just crazy. something I thought about that. I didn't think about it at first, but when they get chucked under the water because of their heavy armor, it's going to be pretty difficult for them to get back out. So oh, it was yeah. doing, doing a lot of damage to them. And yeah, so that was definitely pretty cool to see. Um, we don't we don't really get to see big creatures like that in live action. I mean, we've got the crate Dragon at the start of yeah. Season 2, but for the rest of the series, we haven't really gotten anything that's been particularly exciting to see in terms like of creatures. Animal sort of, yeah, creature sort of threats. Normally, it's just other people in the galaxy. Actually, you know what I just realised? There's one creature, you probably won't remember this, in the Book of Boba Fett, there's a creature in, like, the first two episodes that's got the, the four or six arms, and it kind of crawls over the place. Do you remember that mm, one? I'm struggling to remember. That's all right. There was that creature in Season 1 of Mandalorian where we first saw Grogu use the Force, and um, Mando stabbed Oh, the Mudhorn! Yeah, that's right, mud yeah. Horn. But, obviously, that's not as, as big as the crocodile creature. No. I actually thought it was one of the, the creatures from Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, one of the creatures on Bagano, it looked pretty similar. You know, the one yeah. that, like, charges towards you? It did look like that, yeah. yeah. A bit bigger, probably. I'm interested to know if we'll get any more details on that planet, because it did, did look really cool. Uh, kind of like a rocky beach kind of area. I, I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. It was an interesting location for a Mandalorian hideout. Yeah, I was about to say, it must be the hideout, so maybe we'll be going back there. Well, I assume we would be, once Mando's yeah. been to... Once dinner's been to the mines. Then the story progresses. We, obviously, the Mandalorian comes in, saves the day, chats to the armorer, basically reconfirming what we learned in the Book of Boba Fett, that, you know, Mandalore's poisoned, and the mines, if he wants to redeem himself, he has to go to the mines. Yeah, but I just want to quickly go back to that creature. How funny. I think it's pretty funny. When man, when Mando fired his torpedo at it, oh yeah, <laughs> and it's, it every... just its insides went flying everywhere. Yeah, that that like, was that was pretty cool. It was just like you know they're struggling so much, and then bang, he comes in and it's gone. Jack also made a note that I'm just looking at now. He really enjoyed seeing the different sort of Mandalorian helmets. They were all different colors. They're all different kind of styles and that was quite interesting I saw one that actually looked a bit like Boba Fett's it wasn't and I saw one that looked like Jango Fett yeah but that was really cool to see that you know it's it's bigger than obviously what we saw in season 1 and Boba Fett in season 2 it's like a bigger universe of these Mandalorian people so as I was saying the story progresses we Mandalorian talks to the armorer basically reconfirms everything then there's this really cool scene in hyperspace and Rebels fans will absolutely love this little yeah, detail. it was pretty exciting. Grogu looks out the window in hyperspace and sees the hyperspace whales, which were first seen 
in I think it was season three of Rebels yeah, when sure he's meeting three. with Yoda, uh, Ezra's meeting with Yoda. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and then we get them again at the very end of Rebels season four in the finale when they take off with Ezra and uh, Thrawn into wherever. So it's really cool to see them again, and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that confirms the fact that we are going to be seeing at least Ezra and Thrawn in yeah. the Ahsoka series and because they've got no purpose to show that otherwise. Yeah, that, that's one of Jack's notes. He thought he, he really liked seeing the whales and he thought it was um, it was a hint. He thought it was hinting at the at the upcoming Ahsoka show and the quite possible um, of us seeing Rebels. Yeah. So we keep going we're through hyperspace and we're at Navarro, a return to Navarro. Now, Mark's got a lot to say about Navarro because he quite enjoyed it. Uh, but just in terms of the story quickly, he lands, he chats to Grief Karga, they kind of talk about, you know, him getting some land and settling down, but he's actually there on business, um, but he actually needs the droid, IG-11, we'll mm-hmm. get into that a bit later, but for the moment, Mark, what do you want to say yeah, about I haven't Navarro? got a whole lot to say, but but I, I quite liked the Navarro part of the episode, like seeing how how much it's prospered since we last had have been there when it was basically just a hub for bounty hunters and Imperial, well, like what's left of the Empire, little detachments of stormtroopers. But um, it's really exciting seeing, like, oh, there's all these new buildings. Uh, Grief Cargo describes it as a building boom, which we can clearly see. The town's become a lot more developed. It's a lot brighter than it used yeah. to be. I think that might be, there might be some symbolism there or something. I think it's really interesting that Navarro has had such a culture shift over the last couple of years that it's been on screen. It was this home base for thugs, criminals, and bounty hunters. And, you know, you could see stormtroopers over the streets. There's obviously that big scene in Navarro at the end of season one. And now you look at it, and it's completely different. They've got schools. They've got people who are willing to build stuff for them. And it's just really interesting to see that culture shift after the Empire's been driven out and obviously the cloning factory over on the other side of Navarro has been destroyed. So I think that's really quite interesting to see that in terms of what we get in Navarro now. And moving forward as well, it seems like a nice community that the Mandalorian could end up, you know, settling down yeah, in. Yeah, that seems like I think that would be a good good spot for Mando and Grogu to settle down. But obviously at the moment, well, they're busy. Yeah. And it seems like that this this development in Navarro comes from I believe uh, Grief said there were some miners, didn't he? That there were miners yeah. digging some stuff up. Sounds like it's uh, pretty rare or worth high value, and that's clearly contributed to the economic prosperity of the town. Uh, Grief has seems like made himself the high magistrate. He is the high magistrate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's in charge of the town, and one of the things I thought was pretty intriguing was when. Mando suggested he seek out to the New Republic and he quite strongly said or disagreed with that plan. He wants to be an independent trading centre which will probably further develop the town since it can trade with all sorts of people whether it's the New Republic, other systems in the Outer Rim. I think as, as the First Order grows as a threat I feel like Navarro might be a little bit more under threat. I actually have a hunch that Navarro might be one of the... Pl- I'm not sure what system it lies in, but I have a feeling it might be one of the systems that is... or one of the planets that is affected by Starkiller Base, and that would be really crushing, but obviously we don't we don't know that yet. Yeah, honestly, I didn't 
don't even think about that. So let's just enjoy Navarro for what yeah, it is right exactly, now because exactly. it's a really cool planet. They've completely turned it around from what it was. It also makes me wonder if if this town Navarro's planet was at the point it is now around the time of the Clone Wars, and um, since Grief quite specifically says he wants to stay an independent system. It leaves me wondering if he would have been part of the CIS during the Clone Wars. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he seems kind of that age where he could have been a part of that during the Clone Wars era. But um, obviously, there, there might be some comics or something that yeah, go well, into that further. I'm saying, like, if at the stage it is now, if it was like that during the time of the Clone Wars, and if it got involved in the Civil War, I wonder if it would have been... I wonder if it would have joined the Separatists. It probably would have tried to stay independent as long as it could. Yeah. But if the war came to its front doorstep, well, I have a feeling or a hunch that it would have chosen the Separatists. Well, yeah, they would have been forced to choose and just from the place it was, it kind of does seem like the the kind of planet that would join or the kind of people that would join the, yeah. the Separatists yeah. in that sense. So back to the story... Uh, grief meets some pirates who want to drink, but it, Ooh, the the place is turned into really a liked. turned into a school now. Now Mark says he likes it. Jack was not a yeah. fan of it at all. Said the dialogue <laughs> was very weird. Uh, I don't care for the dialogue. I actually just enjoyed the fact that they weren't human. They were all different species or different creatures. It was really cool to see, and it really makes you feel like you're in the Star Wars universe even more. I can see why Jack wasn't a huge fan of it. It seemed slightly clunky as a scene, but what I really enjoyed about it was seeing how, how Din kind of leaned against that tree in, in like yeah, a few, cool. few steps back. It was giving me Boba Fett vibes, actually. Yeah. And this is, you know, I feel like this is what maybe Boba Fett could have been like, the book of Boba Fett. Or in Jack's opinion, should have been. <laughs> yeah, should have been in his opinion. Yeah. But um, I just found it really cool how he's, you know, he's asking, is there any trouble? Mm. There doesn't seem to be any trouble. But a few seconds later, we get a shootout and they're all gone. That's it. And the the pirate captain, Vane, he runs away like a little, like a sookie. Like a coward. Yeah. Until he goes to the big boss. Uh, so we're still on Navarro. And this is the bit where I think is probably going to be the most controversial bit. Not only between the three of us overall but probably amongst the Star Wars community. Mando says to Grief, I want to bring IG-11 back to life to help me explore Mandalore. Now, I've got to be completely honest, Mark. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, no way. That is the dumbest thing ever. Why would you take away that character's redemption arc? The whole chapter one, sorry, chapter eight of the first season is literally titled Redemption based off of IG-11's redemption mm. from a bounty droid to a caregiver to give his life to save everyone. Bringing him back to life takes away all of that because that means his sacrifice isn't worth anything. Nothing's permanent yeah, from that. I agree with you about that. Um, that. That's the main thing I have an issue with. The other small thing is, look, I, I would have been fine probably with this little plot point if... It didn't turn out to be just nothing, which is essentially what happened. Yeah. You know, how he reverts to his old system somehow or rather, tries to um, terminate Grogu. At least in this episode, it, it led to nothing. But in... And, well, I even forgot that he was trying to find a part for him, to be honest, until I rewatched the episode. Yeah. I just completely forgot about that plot point. I just assumed he was going to Mandalore to get in the mines. Completely forgot he was looking for some part to yep. fix IG-11, so... 
and that's actually on that point Jack wasn't too big of a fan of how I kind of jumped around and it was the storyline was mismatching quite a bit yeah I I thought it was and this is back to the point I made at the very start I thought it was very different normally with the the premieres of the season you look at chapter one you look at chapter nine from seasons one and two the first chapter it's on Navarro and the, the desert planet I can't remember going to find Grogu with IG-11 that's fine then the chapter 9 in season 2 where they're on Tatooine with Cobb Vanth fighting the Krayt Dragon that's all one story very grounded they can't move forward in the story until they've done that thing yeah. on Tatooine this one there's two storylines going on there's one surrounding Din Djarin and trying to explore Mandalore with or trying to go to the to the living mines or whatever they're called which to quickly jump waters. in Jack really dislikes yeah Jack really does dislike that and then there's also the other one which is Mandalore, uh, Mando joining Bo-Katan in whatever she's trying to do but there's obviously that bit of conflict there so it was very different in the sense that it wasn't just a straightforward story yeah. there's a bunch of different things happening to quote Jackie specifically said it, the episode felt disjointed yeah and even more on that point there was even some hints to other storylines that could be going on uh, obviously, we know Gina Carano is not going to show up in the series anymore because of what's happened in the past, but definitely Moff Gideon could, and there was hints that maybe that could be a storyline that's continued, uh, being in a new New Republic tribunal. Uh, tribunal, and then obviously, we're not going to say Cara Dune anymore, but her being off as a special forces officer, which I thought... Is was, a good way of writing her It's out. a good way of writing her out, I agree. Instead of saying she died or she's, I don't know, She's got family issues or something. I don't know. It was a good way to write yeah. her. I agree, 100%. And it was delivered really well by yeah. by Carl Weathers, who's just brilliant as as Grief, uh, as Grief Karga. He's so good. We move to the final scene. So, actually, not the final scene, my bad. Mando takes off from Navarro. No, got to go back even further. We're still on Navarro. He's meets with the droid smith, Babu Frick. Oh, yes. And that was awesome to see. Was him. it actually Babu yeah, Frick? Yeah, it was. was. I, I knew we were going to see him in this episode. I think it was really cool that we saw him. <laughs> and I absolutely loved the interaction between him and Grogu and that he calls him a bad baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scene, that scene was really funny. It was so between funny. Between Grogu and the Anzel and the toy oh, fixes. It was so cute. It was so funny. Anyway, basically, Babu Frick saying, yep, we can fix him if you go get a new memory core. There's another storyline that, that he's got to go find. So I'm assuming we're going to be following... Dinjar and going to find a memory core for IG-11 in the next episode. Then we move off planet. We're in space now. The pirates, who Din had shot and aggravated, obviously, have come back in their own starfighters, and now a space battle is happening. Yeah, I really like this scene. This dog fight. It was really cool. cool. And I thought the ships of the pirates were really cool. They were kind of a mix of an A-wing and like a U-wing almost. They were quite long. The engines at the back and the flatness yeah, of the ships yeah. definitely reminded me of an A-wing. Yeah. But it kind of had sp- prick, or like things out, spikes out the end of yeah. the ship that made it look really different. Piratey sort of thing. Yeah. And then, obviously, Mando takes them all down, and then it's and the big I, reveal. And what I find really oh. cool about this sort of stuff is, like, two things. One, especially that, that second half of the dogfight where he kind of hides around the asteroids, and they're all going, where is he? That, that was fun. But also... How they implement the soundtrack. Yeah, I was just about to say, the music like, in that scene as soon is as incredible. He, as soon as he reveals himself, you get that, that short theme of the Mandalorian. 
it just really adds to the it does it does it's really cool to listen to and that there's little hints of that throughout the episode yeah. when, he, when he's in yeah. the screen or about to shop the soundtrack of the show is really good always good so we're in space he shot down all the ships and then he's the big reveal of the big pirate ship which again is another storyline that we're going to probably explore because why would they introduce it and just leave it well, I have a feeling it won't be I think that's where it ends to be honest but mm, let's see what you have to say I don't know if they'd spend that much money on CG, uh, on uh, special effects and CGI, CGI just to put it in as a one minute kind of feature thing I feel like there's definitely more to explore with the pirates in, in live action I mean you could say he's made another enemy but I don't really know if they're going to come back if that makes sense uh, or if they're uh, going to show their faces again I think I disagree with you I think they will they will show up oh, there's only anyway, one way to tell that's it we've got to wait <laughs> so uh, Din Djarin escapes he uses his new booster it's not a hyperdrive thing but it's a new booster he gets past all the defences then he travels to a new planet called Kalavala home of Bo-Katan's Mandalorian castle this was a nice looking planet it was a very nice looking planet. It looked like a real life location, but well, it was I kind of it would have been yeah. But it kind of felt more Star Warsy in yeah, that sense. Yeah, I agree. It was cool to see Bo-Katan again. I think she looked a little bit different. I don't know if her kind of hair was a bit off. Maybe it was a bit shorter, but she looked a little bit different. Katie Sackhoff. Um, yeah, Jack, Jack liked the castle. Yeah, he made a note Jack to say that. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed the scene. I thought the dialogue was a little bit odd. It's kind of like not really how people would talk to each other. But it's fine. It's, it's Star Wars. People don't talk normally. People speak <laughs> alien languages. It's yeah. fine. And basically, it's the reveal that uh, the, the children of the Watch, the cult that, that uh, Mando's a part of, they it's all superstition what they believe in. And the, the, the Night Owls, Bo-Katan's one where they're protecting Mandalore during the Purge. Yeah, clan. And the, the Children of the Watch basically just... Oh, not the Children of the Watch. The 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 creed that the Mandalorian and the Armour are, are a part of, that they were the ones who were really fracturing Mandalore, Mandalore at that time. it even got purged. Correct. So, I think... I mean, based off of trailer footage, I think we're definitely going to get a conflict between the two of them. Maybe not the two of them. Maybe it's... It'll be some sort of... I don't of... know if there'll be like a physical conflict no, but... or a fight, but yeah. they're definitely going to be at each other's throats. And I reckon, if anything, it's mainly Bo-Katan against um, Din, rather than Din against Bo-Katan. Probably. Simply because he has the Darksaber. Yeah. And to wrap up the episode, Mando says to Bo-Katan that he's going to Mandalore to bathe in the living waters in the mines of Mandalore. Bo-Katan tells him it's in the city of Sunduri. I'm pretty sure we saw it in the Clone Wars. I can't remember. But, I mean, I'm assuming we're going to be there next episode or in a couple episodes' time. Probably a couple. Yeah. But that was pretty much the episode. And I thought it was a bit of an abrupt Yeah, and very abruptly. It's kind of, he walks off and that's it. Yeah, and you you think just the way the interaction ended, you think there's going to, something else, like at least one more scene or something is going to happen. But it, just ends as he walks out of the castle. And this is a big criticism coming up from all three of us and also the the like Star Wars community as well. These episodes are way too short. Yeah, they're you pretty short. You cannot spend a year or like eight months in production on this series just to put out 37-minute episode. That's, well, I don't even think it was 37 minutes when you include like, the credits and everything. Yeah, it's, it's way shorter and... 
the stuff that was shown in this episode, it was set up. It wasn't really story progression. At yeah, all. it was pretty much a setup. That's a, one of the things Jack said. He thinks it didn't progress the story. Correct. I probably just slightly disagree with him. We kind of get small little hints as to what it would be, but we already knew that he was going to Mandalore. But yeah, that sort of thing. Other than that, we didn't get a huge plot advancement. So. No. One more thing to note: the story's done as far as what we're discussing, but in the credits. Uh, one thing I did notice is that when it comes to the starring section for the actors, Pedro Pascal and Katie Sackhoff are both both in the starring section. As opposed to the... The co-starring yeah. section. Last season, Katie Sackhoff was in the co-starring section, which makes me think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of Bo-Katan this season, which would be cool because she's a good character. Yeah. Uh, was... ja- Jack doesn't like her, by the way, <laughs> um, and so he's not too keen about it. And this is obviously a lot of the reason why he's not very... He had it as his least anticipated... Oh, no, not least anticipated. Uh, biggest potential, biggest to, potential go to go wrong in our previous podcast. So, look, it'll be interesting to see where this series goes. I think from the trailers, it's kind of going to be a very short story, but there's obviously something is going to happen in the last yeah, well, four episodes. Season four has already been written, so yeah, I have a feeling that Maybe there won't be a huge storyline to unravel itself in season mm. three, but it'll definitely lead into season four. Oh, yeah. So that about does it. Mark, do you have any last comments to make about this episode? Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Grogu. Actually, on that point, Mark, I just need to say this quickly. It was great seeing Grogu back, seeing him interact with, you know, spinning just, in the chair. I just find, yeah, those sorts of th- scenes are just really funny. When he was using the force to pick up a popcorn seed or whatever it was and you know hugging babu frick that's all great <laughs> if you could that call is that hugging. all great but my issue is he you could have taken him out, him out of this plot and nothing would have changed he had no importance in this first episode story and i don't see his importance going forward hence why was it important to bring him back to mando that's a good point maybe it's something that we'll see happen in the next few episodes maybe they'll explain something i hope so because i don't i don't think they're going to kill him off just yet i think while the hype around the mandalorian is still there and while people still love grogu they're not going to kill him off he's obviously not going to go back to luke because he's already spent two years with him as we recently learned so he's kind of got to stick around with mando but it's like what is he going to do well According, well, actually, maybe. Well, I don't know when Manda's gonna supposedly be redeemed, but he needs to raise Grogu in the ways of his well cult. So maybe once he's redeemed himself, we'll get, start to see some more of that training. We only saw a small part of it today. Oh, sorry, not today. With this week's episode, such as when he was in the ship and he said, "Being a Mandalorian, you know, you've got to learn how to yeah. travel the stars, etc." Look, I'm just... I'm hoping that he does actually have an overall purpose for this season because I was really worried the fact that while he was on screen, it it's just a bit different because the first two seasons were very much evolved around him. It was protecting him from the Empire and then it was getting him to a Jedi. Yeah. And he's such an important character and I know we're going to get more Jedi flashbacks that are in the trailer, so we're going to explore more of him but just, it's really hard to be hopeful at the moment for his story going forward in this series. Another point I just want to mention quickly 
besides Grogu, is this this episode looked really good. The lighting yeah. was fantastic. the The CGI was really good, and it was very it was a very bright and colorful episode. Yeah, I, I really agree. liked it. Was very it. bright. That's the one thing I know. Not only in Navarro, but also with the Mandalorian helmets. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. The beach location and then Calavala was kind of natural natural colors, which yeah. was nice. And um, the other, one last thing is that Jack wants to mention. He believes that we're going to see Moff Gideon again and that he's going to be important for the storyline. I'm not sure exactly how this is going to happen considering we heard he's off in a tribunal. So we'll have to see what happens, but why do you think Jack believes that? Well, I think, first of all, Moff Gideon is not a very fleshed out character. He's kind of was just the big bad and only served as an exposition kind of uh, character. I think there's definitely more to him uh, and Gino, uh, sorry, no, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito is a great actor. He's really good, and you don't want to waste that. So I think that the story will still explore him. There's scenes from the trailer where we're on Coruscant, and there's Dr. Pershing's there. I think that he could still fit into the story with them, but I hope I hope we haven't seen the last of him. I think he's a really oh, it compelling would definitely character. Definitely be great to see him again, but yeah. Jack seems to think he's going to be a very important part of the story. He does. And and that's what he mainly wants to see in this season. I think he's making a bit... I think he's making too many assumptions because... Yeah. His thing is that he really dislikes the idea of the season being about Mando redeeming himself in the water. He thinks that's a worthless plot, as he put it. And he wants to see Moff Gideon return. May as well just get a Moff Gideon show at this point. <laughs> anyway... That's about it. I think we've covered everything. This went for a lot longer than what we thought it was going to. Yeah, we to, thought definitely. it would be a lot shorter considering yeah. there wasn't that much we thought about yeah. that there was to talk about. So, thanks for listening. We really appreciate that you guys are listening in weekly. We love putting these out and we've obviously got a lot of exciting content coming out. Uh, Patreon, Coruscant Nights. Go check us out and go support us. It's really cheap. You get uh, Patreon shout-out in podcasts. Uh, you get exclusive content. Uh, we're uploading more content this Wednesday. It's going to be a secret podcast, which I don't want to spoil anything, but it'll be good to check out. So that'll be uploading on Wednesday. And then next week, we're looking at... Episode 2 of Mandalorian Season 3, which hopefully there'll be a lot more to talk about. Hopefully. I think from what I've heard, it's going in one story's direction. Um, but I've also heard that the runtime isn't very long, which really frustrates me because you've wasted two episodes not talking about... Or you've wasted two episodes with not a lot of stuff in it. I mean, there might be a lot of stuff in it, but it's not long. It's not And long not enough. enough of an opportunity yeah. to really flesh out the storyline. Yeah. Anyway, so that's next week. Patreon at Coruscant Nights. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all at Coruscant Nights. We've got YouTube stuff yep, coming later. There seems to be um, Jack's video seems to be getting a yeah. lot of appreciation. So yep. go check that out if you haven't already seen yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for listening to it. We really enjoy it here, um, and it's good to see that it's doing really well because it just shows that his hard work is paying off. Uh, we will have more YouTube content. I've got a video coming out probably in the next month or so about uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Well, it's not going to be about the Rise of Skywalker, it's going to be something a little different. Uh, But yeah, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys later. See you next week. Bye-bye.